Welcome to the Wandering Toward Wisdom podcast. Today, Joel and I are starting to talk about politics. Now, it is election season, and we we here at the Wandering Toward Wisdom podcast want to help by telling everyone first that some philosophical reflection might be healthier than social media rants, and secondly, that all y'all are talking about politics the wrong way. Everyone starts at the wrong place, and we're here to tell you how wrong we all are. This discussion, which presents where political discussion should start, we think, and why this is important, introduces a series that we'll be doing talking about a variety of issues related to politics, from the meaning of the word politics and how it applies in our particular situations to the nature of societal justice, human rights, and so on. Wondering Toward Wisdom is a part of the Tactical Faith Podcast Network. Check out tacticalfaith.com for info blogs, ways to contact us, and just to see what Tactical Faith is up to. You can also email me and Joel at wondering at tacticalfaith.com or follow us on Twitter at Wondering Wisdom. And in both cases, the there's an underscore where the A or the O would be in Wondering. Also, feel free to share us with your friends or perhaps lob us at your enemies. Give us a preferably good review, and thanks for listening. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, today, we are going to start shifting into talking about justice and really justice at a political level. Uh, I know you are all eager, those of you who are listening, for if you're listening in the United States, you know that a, a election is coming up and you know that if somebody's going to tell you who to vote, vote for with wisdom and good morality, it would be us. So just keep holding your breath. Maybe take a breath when you turn blue. Uh, but eventually we'll get to not telling you at all who to vote for, but we'll we'll maybe give you some ideas on what to think in related to it or in, in the issues related to it. So we have talked about uh, justice and we've talked about it in a way that maybe people are not generally used to because justice, well, we're going to talk a little bit about how we use the word justice. Well, we talked about the just person and how it's re- how that's a kind of ordering of the desires and a proper order of the soul in Plato and so forth. We talked a little bit about how that's related to teaching virtue and how teaching virtue is, a, is an attempt to bring order to the soul and so forth. And then uh, we were in the Republic. The Republic is both sort of a political book and a book about the soul. And so we figured that was a good transition into talking about politics. And uh, specifically, really, to talk about justice itself on a broader level, and the way that the, the word justice, which is used a lot now in a lot of different contexts, the way justice uh, is to manifest or be embodied in a corporate system. So, what is a just political system? What is a just community, and so on and so forth. But we have a lot of confusions about the idea about ideas of justice, which we're going to get to. But I, maybe part of this arises out of some misunderstanding, according to Joel, some misunderstandings of even the idea of politics itself. So Joel's going to kind of take the lead here. I'm going to try to throw some curveballs at him if I can come up with any. But let's go ahead and start with the idea of politics. What is it? What? This is going to sound like a silly question, but Joel, what is politics? Well, politics... Uh, comes from the Greek word polis, which means the city or city. So when we think about politics as governing the city, we've already moved away from what politics is. Politics, you could think of as um, what does it mean to live in community with other people 
in the best way possible, in the way that, that benefits me and those that I'm in community with. And, you know, it's kind of how, how does a city work? Now, if you think a city works solely because of the governing, governing authorities, you're going to feel like what I'm saying is kind of nonsense. But if you think about it, what role does the government really play in your neighborhood, apart from maybe not fixing your streets as quickly as they should, or I, this is personal for me. Uh, we're, we're, we're supposed to get new streets two years ago and we're still waiting for repaving. But anyway, um, when you think about how does the government affect your interactions with your neighbors and it doesn't have much role. I mean, the biggest role the government probably plays in the way you interact with your neighbors is if uh, your neighbor's a jerk, or maybe you're the jerk, and uh, you're not keeping up your end of the kind of community bargain, and you're doing things that you're not supposed to be doing, and the government has to step in. But on the whole, the government really doesn't affect how I interact with my neighbors. But... I can have a good relationship with my neighbor. I can have a bad relationship with my neighbor. I can contribute to the larger community. I can not contribute to the larger community. These questions of how involved are we with our neighborhood associations, if we have that? How involved are we with our kids' schools? How involved with we are? How involved are we with you know just things that go on in in our area? These are all questions of politics, but they don't have much to do with government. One way to think about government is that government is kind of how do you govern a community? But the only time that the government or the, you have to worry about governing the community is if it's unruly. And so our goal is going to be to talk about politics at a more basic level than the federal level, the state level, the county level, maybe even the city level, depending on where you're listening from. Um, politics is about the community you live in, and at least at its core. Now, yes, the federal government does have some influence on certain parts of the community. The state government has certain influences. The city government has certain... Yes, I admit all of that. But if we're going to talk about the heart of what does it mean to have a good politic, and all we talk about is government, we're missing the point. Okay, so there's a, there's a lot of distress, particularly maybe among uh, Christians and evangelicals in the United States, about the sense that the culture is being lost and that uh, there's a kind of maybe Christians used to have a little bit more of a foothold in government and, and that's been, that's been lost. And part of what you're saying is that the focus in on what we normally consider to be politics is generally inappropriate politics. You know, maybe I should, I should ask you this. Uh, it, it sounds to me like you're saying something like politics is something that comes out of the community. Uh, it's sort of a grassroots sort of thing instead of something that's a top-down sort of uh, where I have a clear conception of what justice is on some sort of abstract level in the way that I relate to all people. And then I want that enforced by government. What you're saying is it should rise up out of protecting a, a healthy community. In a way, 
maybe a better way to think of it is the way that a community is governed is a reflection of the state of the community. So if, if, if you're looking to government to do a lot with the community, it's a sign that there's a lot of discord in the community and someone needs to step in and govern things. Whereas the goal isn't for that to be the case. The goal is that the community is a, is a healthy functioning community that, um, where neighbors take care of each other, where neighbors work together, where, you know, we, you know, you think about, you know, in, in schools where, you know, the PTO can come together and accomplish some good things for the school. Um, those are the kinds of things that we should be wanting to see from our politics. And then the government is going to, um, I think reflect that if, if, if those low, if the community is doing well itself, the government has to, govern less because the community is doing well. Would you say that the government is sort of like, I feel like there's an analogy in the way that we treat doctors and maybe it's less this, maybe our generation and younger, maybe less so, but it seemed like there, we had developed this attitude where I live my life however I wish. And, and then I go, however, as unhealthy as I wish. And as long I just go to the doctor and he gives me the drug, he or she gives me the drugs or the surgery or whatever and fixes the problem. And so we're relying on the fact that we have healthcare professionals rather than relying on trying to be healthy ourselves and using the doctor when an emergency arises or when something comes up that we can't handle ourselves. And so in the same way, maybe we're so obsessed with government in the same way we're obsessed with with uh, maybe the expertise of the government instead of in the same way that we tend to be obsessed with the expertise of the doctors rather than trying to develop healthy community. Are you saying I, I something like that? I think that's that that is a good analogy. I think, um, you know, so many times in the healthcare system, we we want to be made healthy, but we don't necessarily want to do the work ourselves to be healthy. I mean, um, you know, I exercise and diet is the magic bullet for so many health problems. Um, you know, I, but that's not what we want to do because it's hard. Exercise is hard. Watching your what you eat is hard. Similarly, being in good community with your neighbors is hard. Um, it gets messy sometimes. Um, you don't always get your way, but you work together. And um, if you're not willing to do that, then it makes sense that you would want someone else to come in and tell you how to do it because you don't want to do the hard work yourself. It seems like communities used to know each other more. So the neighborhood we live in, now granted, there's a lot of families that grew up together, but they have, like a lot of the houses have these dinner bells on them because the kids would go out in the morning and when the dinner bell rang, they would go home for dinner, right? And everybody knew everybody and all the houses had dinner bells and they, you know, all the kids knew each other, all the neighbors knew each other, they all interacted, there was all these kinds of relationships. But now a lot of people don't even know their neighbors. Uh and we, we've already talked about the right ordering of the soul is what justice is. And you're saying politics has something to do with the way that we relate to our neighbors. Are we just supposed to be nicer and keep our lawn trimmed? Like, why, or So there's a question of what does it mean to have a good relationship with my neighbor? And the other question is, why doesn't anybody even know their neighbors anymore except to complain about their lawn not being properly trimmed? So there's been some interesting... Um sociological research 
um, uh, there was a book called, I think it was Bowling Alone that came out probably 20 years ago or so. Um, and in that, the, the idea is that as we've found more conveniences within our home for entertainment, we've uh, lost the feeling of need to come together with our neighbors. So instead of bowling leagues being this thriving thing, um, people are bowling alone. Um, you, you you look at the way that um, TV, cable TV especially, you know, expanding the, the options you have, um, the internet, all of these things have made it less necessary for us to get out of our houses to entertain ourselves, to um, do things. Uh, we can, we... We do a lot by ourselves. Um, not that I'm saying all of those things are bad things and we should throw out our TVs and our, our internet connections and all that. I mean, you wouldn't be able to listen to us without an internet connection. So uh, there's something redeemable there. But um, in all seriousness, we've we've lost some of what spurred us to get out of the house in the first place. And if you don't have to get out of your out of the house you're less likely to to run into your neighbors. Um, you, if you look at it, the way a lot of houses are built today, um, how many of them have front porches anymore? Um, a lot of them will have nice decks on the back, but when you're in the backyard, you're less likely to run into your neighbors than when you're on your front porch. Um, you know, just little things that we've we've done, maybe not realizing the influence it would have on the way we live life. But if, if your backyard is kind of your domain, um, it's it's easier to stay disconnected. If you're if you're in the front yard, you're more likely to see your neighbors passing by, um, walking the dog, you know, if they have a dog or you know what whatever. Um, I I know for my wife and I, um, the fact that we have kids and our neighborhood has a lot of kids has um, led to us building relationships with our neighbors that might probably wouldn't have happened as, as quickly um, without our kids. Um, an, another instance was a part of uh, one of our trees fell on our, on a neighbor's house. And um, so we, ha you know, interacted with, we had interacted with them some before, but we interacted with them a lot more as, you know, the whole uh, homeowner's insurance stuff was being worked out. Um, but we need, we, we tend to uh, keep to ourselves as a whole, um, or we want people who are like us, and our neighbors aren't necessarily going to be like us. There's, they're going to share some characteristics because we live in the same neighborhood, probably. But on the whole, they're they're going to be different. And if we're not outside, if we're not running into our neighbors, if we're not doing things with our neighbors, um, we're not going to be able to have a relationship with them. Our our goal is going to be: I better keep my lawn, you know. I keep up with my lawn. I better keep up with my landscaping because I don't want my neighbors to think my house is bringing down the, the value of, of the neighborhood. It's arguably the case that people who live in smaller towns may have more, a more diverse group of people that they interact with than people even in cities. And I've heard that this was re there's a reasoning because in cities you, you can, you have a lot more choices and you tend to make decisions to be around people that are like you. Whereas a small town, there's like seven people. So you, you hang out with the seven people that are your age because that's the only option you got. I mean, there's mm -hmm. more than seven people, but there's, there's, there's a lot fewer to choose from. And I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but the idea of 
the people who move in around you, in some ways they're going to be like you, but in, in other ways they may not be like you. They may have the other person's, uh, can, the other candidate, the other side's candidate sign in their yard, and yet they still live beside you. You can't, you can't block them like you would on social media. And it seems like the access to social media and so on and so forth has caused us to to come together with those that are like us, which maybe has undermined our capacity to understand politics as relationships in terms of our community. Because communities, the communities that we form by aligning ourselves with people who think exactly like us on the internet and elsewhere, it's not a community that requires political thought. It's just, it's, it's, everybody's thinking the same thing. And so there's no requirement to try to learn how to love your neighbor. Um, so, and I mean, this, this story where Jesus was asked, you know, who is my neighbor? And he tells the story of the good Samaritan. We're talking about a Samaritan and a Jew. Uh, they didn't like each other. They very much did not like each other at all. And, and yet the Samaritan was a neighbor to the man who was beat up on the road because he was present there. He came to mm-hmm. know him. And so, that's the that's sort of the grounding of politics is interacting with people whether you like them or agree with them or not and learning to relate to them correctly right yeah yeah i mean we even do this with our churches you know we we find a church that inconveniences us in some way or uh, has people in it that we don't necessarily like and we we jump ship um and you know i i've i've heard people say why do i need to bother going to church when I can get great sermons on the internet through podcasts. Um, I can listen to great music, you know, stream it through whatever, you know, whatever platform you want to choose. Uh, what What's what's the point in going to church? And um, for me, I keep coming back to um, churches where I, where I run into people that I wouldn't normally run into. And I, I learned to, to be family to people that I wouldn't necessarily choose just on the on on that initial surface uh, level, uh, because they might be different than me in some way or another. But there's something valuable about learning to be in in relationship with in meaningful relationships with people who aren't like you. Um, it 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 helps you be a better you in in many ways as well. And we'll we'll get into that in in another episode or two. When we, when we talk about human rights in particular. Okay. So let me, let me see if I can, uh, let me ask you a, might be a difficult question, but can you give me sort of a, I mean, we've sort of, you've sort of done this and talking about knowing your neighbor, but what is a healthy community? So a healthy, so I'm going to start using some, uh, some more language that, uh, lots of people use that, um, that no one really understands what they mean by it, and um, the 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 big one there is is working towards a common good. Now, when when we talk about the common good, some people want to infuse that with um, every every bit of of possible uh, everything that is possibly good that we could work together on, and that we should work towards that in order for the community to be healthy. Then there's other people who hear the phrase common good and they think socialism. And it's neither one. The common good is something we can agree on 
that is a worthwhile thing, a worthwhile good that we should have in our community. And we want to make sure no one is is hurt by our pursuit of the common good while also working for the good of everyone. So it's not just about trying to lift people up with a common good. You also want to make sure you're not destroying other people when you pursue a common good. And so in, in a neighborhood, like one, one thing our neighbor, you know, we're in a neighborhood that has a neighborhood association in it with it. And one of the things that they're discussing right now is um, where should we put a, put a playground? And it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's something that as a community, we've said, Hey, we think it'd be good to have a playground in our neighborhood. Where, where should we put it? What kind of playground should it be? And we, we recognize that there, it's, it's good when, when kids have this area to play, play together on, not just um, to play by themselves, but to play together when, and that playgrounds bring neighbors out, bring neighbors together, um, that there's a lot of good in a playground. So what, what do we want that playground to look like? Does it, is it going to, um, you know, save save the soul of America if we just had more playgrounds? No, but am I going to meet someone at the playground that I wouldn't have met otherwise? Quite possibly. So a common good is something that promotes the good of the whole and of the individuals in it. That doesn't come at significant harm to individuals while promoting the good. Right. And I think normally when we talk about the common good, it tends to be, again, within the context of a group of people that all agree with me because those are the only kinds of people I like. And therefore, the common good is basically if everyone just does what we think they should do um, right. rather than than being. And that often leads to abstract concepts and it leads to us thinking again. So there's a, I think there's a whole cloud of problems here where when I don't know my neighbors, I tend to align myself with people that are like me. Uh, and the internet has really given us the capacity to do that. And when I align with people that are like me, I tend to think that all the problems are solved if everyone would just agree with us uh, and be like us. And therefore, the f and we jump immediately to the abstract federal government level to talk about politics. Look, we need a president that does this, a Congress that does this, uh, whoever's in Supreme Court doing this. And then that was, that's going to solve the problems. Whereas when I'm living in my neighborhood and, and aware of the people next to me, I begin to understand the common good in a much more incarnational local sense that is in fact the good of a particular person. It's not a generic good for all people as if I can really understand that. It's a good for, it's a good for my neighbor buddy, right? Or something like that. So. Yeah. It, well, it, it is good for all people, but it's not such a large or in, in many many times, it's not such a large group that you can't know the people that it's actually affecting. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's and 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 that's one of the issues that when we talk about rights, so I'm, I'm, I'll get into more. But the more the larger you start getting with the the group that you're talking about, the harder it is to make sure that you're talking about something that's actually good for everyone involved. And I mean, I. I can hear the the listeners being like, what about things like food and clean water? When we get to, to our discussion of rights, we will talk about all of those things. Don't worry. But as far as the, the kinds of things that take us from where we are and move us down the road to virtue, to move us down the road to healthy communities, um, 
yes, there's a base level that has to be there, but we, we, we want more than just the base level. The, the goal isn't to just talk about the, the minimum when we're talking about politics. We're talking about what does a flourishing, healthy community look like? Yeah, and so this is this is really helpful because when we're talking when we talked about the individual kind of kind of the the individual soul, the justice in the individual soul, we didn't talk about someone not breaking the rules. We talked right. about a right ordering of the desires and a love of the good. Just like when Jesus said, when Jesus talking the rich young ruler and he's, and he's like, you know, I haven't broken any of these commandments and Jesus looked at him, loved him and said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And again, the idea that there isn't that everyone should or at least it's probably not that everyone should sell everything and give it to the poor. I'll leave that to I you. I hope not. <laughs> yeah, because I ain't going to do it. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, I might. But uh, uh, but the idea is that Jesus recognized that the problem is the guy was busy keeping the rules and not overflowing in love and service, something like that. And so when we're asked, you know, well, how do I fulfill the law? It's not about checking all the boxes. It's about loving your neighbor and loving God. And so in the same way here, when we're talking about politics and we're talking about justice, or this is what I hear you saying, uh, Mm -hmm. even though I think we're in a a lot in agreement, is we're talking about a robust sense of justice that's far beyond people not breaking the law. It's it's full of a development of relationships, particularly in the, let's talk about the local communities. And then it flows in to the government. And then when we talk about broader government, we're talking about human rights and these larger concepts, they're all, they're all flowing out of a, of a healthy community where we are, we have a robust concern for one another, something like that. I mean, it sounds like that's what you're saying. Yeah. And and a healthy community is also going to attract people. It's going to draw people who, who want to be a part of a healthy community. I mean, I, on one hand, that could be another answer to the question why we, why we don't know our neighbors is because we, we've become cynics on the possibility of healthy community that we we just don't expect it to happen so why should i try for something that is futile that will never happen that's the wrong attitude to have but there's we we don't we don't see it and when we do see it there seems to be something that either draws us in or for some of us myself sometimes included turns our skepticism up like okay this can't be real what where where's you know let, let me get in on the exterior or on the interior and see how corrupt things really are right. um but you know th- there's something about that if you look at the way god intended israel to be a light to the nations that israel was supposed to be focusing on having these different ideas of what justice meant than, than the surrounding uh, countries that they were to live in a way that was a light to the world that would draw other countries, other people to want to be like Israel. Um, the conquest was not the, the intent when things were, were set up in Israel. Um, it wasn't to be, we, we go and and kill you and take your land. It was, you want to be a part of what we're doing. And I think we've lost that. We, we, we don't have a sense that we could make something good that people want to be a part of. Or we think that to make people want to be a part of it, we have to put laws in place. But laws 
rarely change desires. They might they might moderate actions, but they don't. They rarely change desires. Yeah, and, often they have the opposite effect. I mean, Paul yes. said that himself. I like that. Now, if if we were to take a particular example that is often abused, and this might be for a later podcast, we're, we're starting to run out of time here. This may be for a later podcast. Maybe it's something to start thinking about. The Acts 2 community, uh, which was, and pardon my language here, socialist. For all practical purposes, it was, I mean, maybe not full-fledged. Maybe socialism isn't quite the right word. And there's a reason why it's not the right word. And that's because of what we're talking about here. They were a community acting for the common good. Um, And so there's been a lot of, there's been people abuse this abuse it on both sides, perhaps abuse this. But when you look at Acts 2, the first thing that you should see is that people cared for one another. Yeah. Right? It, it grew out of the presence of the spirit in power, drawing people to love one another. Uh, uh, and so the first thing that we should see here is here's an example of healthy community. If we immediate, if we look at Acts 2 and immediately try to draw from it, and I'm not just attacking one side here, you could do this with, with any, with, any passage and you immediately try to draw a political in the way I can't use the word political now because we're trying to fix it, (laughs) but we immediately draw like a federal government conclusion on how things should be run based on that. What we're doing is we're, it's almost like a category mistake. This is a community grounded in love. It's a healthy community where people care for one another. And if we began care, if we began knowing our neighbors and really knowing them, and caring for them, we might start looking in our local communities a lot more like the Acts 2 community. Uh, it seems like maybe the not knowing not knowing our neighbors and focusing on national and even state-level politics might be a way of protecting us from having to love. Because I can look at the problems blame it on some sort of, you know, well, it's the other political party. <laughs> they're, they're screwing everything up. Meanwhile, I don't know my neighbor and I'm, and I'm, I don't know, I'm isolated from everyone and expecting federal politics to solve the problem or even state politics to solve the problem. But healthy community doesn't start with the government, right? I'm, I'm trying to reiterate what you're saying, but I'm trying to right. like I'm trying to wrestle with these, with these topics. But we're going to start. We want to move to justice. We're not yeah. going to get there today, right? Because we, I, I think, to say that justice is something that a community should strive for is kind of one of those obvious duh kind of statements. Right. But if we don't understand what the justice we're striving for is, we're going to. Um, we're going to end up in a place where we probably don't actually want to end up or shouldn't want to end up. Um, it's going to be like, we're following the, the miscalibrated GPS uh, off the, off a pier into a, a lake instead of keeping us on our, our road to a healthy community. All right. Well, I mean, John Rawls gave the right answer. So I don't know why you're even talking anymore. Uh <laughs> He may come up later. Um, yes. he, he's a fun one. He, he's, 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 a, he's got some good ideas that we can fight against. Okay, so next time, what are we going to be getting into? So we're going to start talking about justice. And um, 
you know, friend of the podcast, Tim Keller, uh, did us a favor <laughs> and put out an article about justice a, a month or two ago. And uh, he called it a, um, a biblical critique of secular justice and critical theory. And he gives an account of biblical justice. He criticizes kind of the four secular views of justice. We're going to go through that. We're going to um, talk about the good parts of it, but we're also going to push back on it. We're going to say, we're going to say this is what we're going to talk about the things that point towards this richer sense of justice that we're getting and the things that kind of miss the point. Um, but that's going to be next time. We're going to try and flesh that out a little more because if we have a richer concept of justice than what I think is often used in our discussions today, that can um, help us work towards actual solutions rather than uh, getting hung up on just arguing about policy. I'm not saying policy isn't important, but I'm saying policy can only do so much and we should probably also talk about the other part of it that might be a bigger part of it. Great. Well, I'm excited to see where we end up going with this because so, justice is a word that is used all the time now in a lot of different ways. So, uh, and Joel's the expert. I like to be as unjust as I can. And on <laughs> that note, this is Travis. This is Joel. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.